Welcome to Turning Point. To some degree, your decisions, your relationships, even your walk with God are all affected by something you'd rather not think about, your fears. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah examines the power of fear and the even greater power of its opposite. If you're ready to conquer your fears once and for all, listen as David introduces today's powerful message, Casting Out Fear. You know, more people are afraid at this time of the year than any other time of the year. I often do a message on fear and during the Christmas series just for that reason. Actually, I have a message called The Fear Knots of Christmas. All of the places where God spoke to people, angels spoke to people, and their first words were, fear not. And we're going to talk about that today and tomorrow here on Turning Point. Hey, friends, the last couple of years have been really difficult, haven't they? And the next 12 months are full of unpredictable events. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, where we're going with all of this, and people everywhere are on the edge. But you don't need to feel uncertain or on the edge because Jesus is in charge. And as we study his word, we are reminded that the Lord's promises are as certain as his character and that his presence is as sure as the sunshine. None of us are immune from stress or tension. But when we know how to walk with the Lord in the light of his word, we're in the best possible place. So let every day with Jesus help you. That's our new devotional guide for the new year. This beautiful leather devotional contains biblical truths for every day of the year, plus scripture to encourage you in your walk. It has 365 devotional readings and uh, insights from things that I've written and messages that I've preached. It's gift book size. It's beautiful, all-color images of nature add to the pages. I have so much I'd like to say about this. The soft leather cover in beautiful blue and tan leather with silver embossed titles on the front. Oh, it's just gorgeous, friends, and I'd like you to have it. It's yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point during the month of December. And listen, we need your help in December, one of our major giving months, and I'd like to ask you to be as generous as you can be. And when you send your gift, all you have to do is ask for the devotional, and we'll send it to you. If you'd like to know how you can get more than one copy of this devotional, like in a bundle, so that you can give it to others, go to our website, and you'll find all about it there. Well, right now... We're going to take step one. We're going to learn how to cast out fear. Let's go. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, our 32nd president, was born to an aristocratic family. He had influential and wealthy parents who taught him to believe that even though he was privileged, he should always take the responsibility of shouldering the help of the less fortunate. Roosevelt was very shy as a teenager. But when he enrolled at Harvard University, he began to come out of his shell and he started to contribute to campus life through his sports involvement and through the school newspaper. When he graduated from Harvard, he became a distinguished public servant, serving as a state senator and then as an assistant secretary to the Department of the Navy. Right about this time in his life, something happened to him that would strike terror and fear into the heart of any person. It was back before the polio vaccinations. And that disease, polio, attacked Roosevelt's body. It was a terrible time in his life. During the days that followed, he found himself sometimes at the very edge of despair. He was filled with discouragement and fear of the future. But if you saw Pearl Harbor, you know Roosevelt was a very determined man. 
And he overcame the fear of his paralysis. He learned how to use his hands. He learned how to walk with braces. And he overcame the fear of his paralysis. And just as he had overcome that fear, another fear entered his life. In his life story, there's a whole chapter about his working through an incredible phobia that because he was immobile, he would be caught in a building that was on fire and would not be able to get out. And almost every day of his life, he was plagued with this fear. The fear of being trapped in a building and unable to get free of the ravages of the fire. He wrestled with this fear day after day and no one really gave much hope that he would accomplish very much in his life. But 11 years after he was stricken and paralyzed with polio, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, man of fear, was sworn in as the 32nd president of the United States of America. The inaugural address that he gave became famous And as he ascended to the presidency of our country, he gave one of the longest inaugural addresses that had ever been given. When I say it became famous, it's in all the literature on the subject of fear. And you've probably said to yourself more than once the thing that made him famous for this speech. It was Franklin Delano Roosevelt who first said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. That motto took us through the World War and gave us a watchword for all the things that frightened us during those days. Well, we could use a speech like that again today, couldn't we? In the world of terrorism and all the things that are happening around the globe. Today, you and I live in a very fearful world. Some of you here today are afraid. What are you afraid of? Well, some of you have job jitters. You're not really sure what the constant tension of your workplace is going to produce. You're not sure that your pink slip isn't in the mail this week. You have a sense of fear and foreboding when you get up in the morning. Some of you have business deals that are beginning to go south and unravel. You lay awake at night thinking about the possible consequences. Others of you have sons who have gotten started experimenting with drugs, or maybe you just found out that your teenage daughter is sexually active. Some of you worry about losing important accounts that could devastate your business career. And what about our health? Boy, do we ever worry about our health, and are we ever afraid of what could happen to us? Do you know one of the interesting things about that fear is that life expectancy has more than doubled in the past century? We're able to cure more diseases than ever before. And no group of human beings has ever been healthier. And no group of human beings has ever worried and been more afraid about their health than we are. We keep reading articles about how sick we are and then we believe them. Journalist Bob Garfield tracked the health articles that were in the Washington Post, the USA Today, and the New York Times. And he discovered that according to all the experts who were writing articles in these rather famous magazines... 59 million Americans have heart disease, 53 million suffer migraines, 25 million have osteoporosis, 16 million struggle with obesity, 3 million have cancer, 12 million have severe disorders such as brain injuries. Adding all of these and all the other maladies he found, the results were that there were 543 million Americans who were seriously sick which is shocking in a country that only has 266 million people. (laughs) As Garfield put it, 
Either as a society we are doomed or someone is seriously double dipping. <laughs> Leonard Sweet writes, this fear thing is dominating our need for security. Just look at our cars and see the security issue at work. First we install seat belts. Then we install shoulder belts. Then we build a contraption that puts the seat belts and the shoulder belts together. Then we turn the shoulder harness into a boa constrictor that pins us to our seats and doesn't let us move. <laughs> then we install airbags and pretty soon we'll be riding around in a giant marshmallow. We are so afraid. <laughs> the bottom line is when it comes to the media, fear sells. Just look what is happening with the political ads these days. Let a candidate get in trouble and you can count on it. He'll trot out the fear ads to try to recover what he's lost in the polls. One of my friends in seminary was a man by the name of Don Wurtson. If you go back in history in the evangelical world, you've probably heard of a guy named Jack Wurtson who was a great evangelist and he operated quite a camp back east in Scroon Lake, New York called Word of Life Camp. His son Don was a great musician and a student at Dallas Seminary. He's written many hymns and songs, some of which we sing in our services today. But he wrote a little book on the Psalms that I was given by him some years ago. And it was sort of like, here's a music person writing on Psalms. I thought that was pretty good. I'd never seen that before. The book of Psalms is the book of hymns in the Bible. And Don Wurtson decided it was time that a musician wrote something about the Psalms. In one of the places in his book on the Psalms, he makes this statement. He says, the elusive monster of fear lurks in the shadows, waiting to claw my soul to shreds. I am prone to melancholy, and I see fear's ugly face when I'm struggling with the emotional stress of a difficult relationship, when I'm afraid failure is just around the corner, when success seems to be hard to handle, and on days, and now watch this carefully, when free-floating anxiety is getting the best of me. Now think about that last phrase for a moment. Free-floating anxiety. Have you ever had that foreboding feeling that something is wrong and you feel afraid but you don't know why? There it is. It's free-floating anxiety. And it's a very common malady among people today, even among Christians. They are just fearful. And if you ask them to pinpoint the reason for their fear, they cannot. But they wake up in the morning with this terrible sense that something is wrong in their life. Well, today we're going to look at these verses in 1 John and learn how to overcome this fear through love. Did you know that love is the opposite of fear. Some of you probably think the opposite of fear is courage, but it is not. I proved that to you in a message some years ago when I said if you want to find out whether this is true, here's what you should do. The next time your little child screams out in fear during the middle of the night, run into the room, pick him up and say, be courageous. <laughs> you aren't going to do that at all. You're going to pick that baby up and do what? You're going to love that child. Because love is what dispels the fear of a frightened child. 1 John 4, 17 to 19 tells us, first of all, about the perfection of love. 
Notice in the first part of the 17th verse, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this. What does it mean that God's love has been perfected? It means that it has caused, God's love has grown up in us. It has started to mature in us. We're beginning to understand what the love of God is all about. 1 John 4, 12 says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been matured or perfected in us. He's not talking here about sinless perfection, but rather mature love marked by confidence. Confidence is a sign that love is mature. In other words, Jesus was God's son in whom he was well pleased on this earth. But we are God's children too, are we not? And as we understand that God is our father, we can have confidence that we're okay with God. He's our father, we're his children. He's pleased with us. As he is, so are we in this world, says John. Now, men and women, when we understand how much God loves us, when we get a hold of that truth, and that's what this whole book has been about, we've been studying. Remember, 41 times the word love is in these chapters. Several times we're told to love one another. Several times we're told about brotherly love. This whole book is about God's love for us. And John is saying, when you come to understand this truth of God's love, when you realize that God has loved you, that he is your father, and that he has promoted within you the ability to love him back. There is nothing that takes you away from the paralysis of fear like getting involved in knowing God's love for you. He loves you as a father loves his children. In other words, as God's love assumes more and more control of our lives, as we mature in our understanding of who God is and his love for us, we will be the kind of people that can live our lives without fear because the fear will be enveloped in the sense of God's love for us today. That's the kind of love the world is waiting to see. The kind of love that Christians are supposed to have. The kind of love First John has been teaching us about, that we love one another as God has loved us. And that we don't love with a sense of fear, but we love with a sense of confidence in who God is and who we are. When the world begins to see that, they realize there's something uniquely different about us because that is not normal or natural in the world in which we live. Many years ago, the president of China came to his wife, who was a devout Christian, and and he said to her, he said, Honey, I cannot understand these Christians. They have been treated most abominably here. They have been robbed and beaten, and many of them are killed. They have been persecuted fearfully. Yet I have never found one of them seeking retaliation against their persecutors. Instead, at any time they can render a service for China or for China's people, they respond gladly. I just don't understand them. And his wife replied, Well, that, you see, is the very essence of Christianity. They do that because they are Christians. If we love one another, God is dwelling in us and his love is perfected in us, says John. So when we love out of the ordinary, then people see us. And it's just like that verse in the Bible that says, let men see your good works so they can glorify your father who is in heaven. John is saying that this love of God as it matures in us provides a foundation that makes it possible for us to live our lives without always being afraid. Now, I want you to go with me on a little journey through the scripture 
And I want to show you how God's love dispels fear in your life and in mine. That's what John says to us in verses 17 and 18. He says, we will have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. How does that work? Well, first of all, love protects us from the fear of discouragement. I made a discovery this week that I'd never seen before, and I want to share it with you because it's quite an interesting thought. In the Old Testament, there is a word that is used in many of the passages that we've learned and quoted throughout our years, and it's the little word dismayed. Be not dismayed. Now, that's not a word we use today. I mean, what was the last time you came home and said to your kids, be not dismayed? I mean, they're not going to understand that. That doesn't make any sense to us in our culture. But the word is an old Hebrew word, and the word in Hebrew means not to be intimidated or to be discouraged. Now, the fact that we don't know a lot about that word in our culture does not do away with this importance because I went through dozens of passages where that word is used to describe what happens to us when we get intimidated by fear. And what I want to do is take you on a little journey through some of these passages. And I'm going to show you the verses where we are told not to be dismayed. And I want you to notice as you look at these verses that every time we are encouraged not to be dismayed, Almighty God is in the picture. Every time, it's amazing to me, every time we are told not to be dismayed. You know, what good would it do if I were to stand up here today and say, friends, here's my message for you on fear. Don't be afraid. Now that would be great, wouldn't it? You just walk out of here so blessed until you had the next encounter with fear and you'd realize it didn't do you any good. No, God isn't saying to us, don't be afraid. He's saying, don't be discouraged, don't be intimidated, and here's why. Now, you got the setting? Now, you'll see this every time we go through one of these passages of Scripture. And I want you to note that many of them are passages where God is trying to encourage somebody to do something that's going to be hard and going to be difficult and could easily overwhelm them. Let's begin first. In the Old Testament and in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, in verse 8. Now watch this. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So do not fear or be intimidated or be dismayed. Now isn't that a great verse? It saves the instruction until the end. But God is all over that verse, isn't he? He's in every word. You don't want to be dismayed because God is with you. Notice Joshua 1.9. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 1 Chronicles 28.20. Here's a passage of scripture where David is instructing his son Solomon about the building of the great temple that Solomon was going to build. Listen to these words. And David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of a good courage and do it. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord God, my God, will be with you and he will not leave you and he will not forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. 
Notice Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 15. And he said, listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. These are the words of Jehaziel to Jehoshaphat and his people when the armies of Moab and Ammon were coming against them and were going to destroy them. And Almighty God came and said, don't be intimidated, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. Why? Because I'm in the picture. How many of you know that when God's in the picture, you're in pretty good shape? Take God out of the picture and just telling people not to be afraid is no better than a positive mental attitude message. You can go to a lot of churches today and people will tell you, oh, you just got to be strong. Well, how? How do you be strong? How do you be courageous? If God is not inside that frame in that picture, you will fail. And here's the point. It's because God loves you, because he has proven his love for you, that he has demonstrated his love for you through the death of Jesus Christ, that he has promised that if he would also give up his only son, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things, including the confidence to walk through life without always being in fear? It's the love that God has for us that dispels the fear of discouragement. Let's look at another one. The Bible tells us that we should be reminded of the fact that love will protect us from danger. Isaiah 12, 2 says it this way. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. A lady once came up to Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist, and she said to him, she said, I have found the most wonderful promise in the Bible that has helped me to overcome fear. And Moody says, well, what's your verse? She says, well, my verse is Psalm 56, 3. Here's what Psalm 56, 3 says. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Now, Moody said, that's a good verse, but it's not a great verse. I don't know how you categorize the Bible as not being great, but if Moody did it, I'll let him worry about that. But Moody said, that's not the best verse. She says, well, what could be better than that? He said, let me give you my verse. And he gave her Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Psalm 56, 3 says, whenever I am afraid, I will trust. Isaiah 12, 2 says, I will trust so that I'm never afraid. In other words, he is saying that your faith is not to be a medicine you take when the disease of fear comes upon you. It's a vaccine you take so that fear never comes upon you. And you will not be discouraged. Love protects us from the fear of danger. It is always better to trust God and not fear than to fear and then trust Him. You know, I hate to bring up that awful word vaccine, but it's a good word to illustrate this, isn't it? You can either cry out to God after you're afraid, or you can cry out to God ahead of Him and not be afraid. That's what we're learning in 1 John chapter 4. And we'll have more of that tomorrow for the Thursday edition of Turning Point. I hope you'll join us then. Hey, don't forget, we're, we're moving in on the final threshold of our registration for the Holy Land Tour, March 22nd through April the 1st. We're going to spend these nine days uh, in, in Israel. 
We're going to go to Israel, the Jezreel Valley, Galilee, Golan Heights. We're going to see the Lord Jordan Valley, Jerusalem, and the Old City. We're going to the Judean Wilderness and the Dead Sea. And we're just going to see everything we can see in the time we have. An incredible, incredible facilities, great transportation. Uh, your baggage is taken care of from the time you land until the time you leave. Great fellowship, great meals, great music, and uh, some preaching that might be of encouragement to you as well. I hope that you'll come and be with us when we go to Israel in March. The best place to find out more about that is at davidjeremiah.org. That's our website, and there you can find all of the buttons to push to get where you need to go and register for this event. Don't forget, you can still get your copy of Every Day with Jesus during this month. But uh, this is the only month we offer it. It's the most popular resource we have all year long, and probably because it's the most beautiful thing we have. It's a beautiful leather devotional that you'll be proud to carry with you wherever you go. Make sure you ask for your copy today when you send your year-end gift to Turning Point. And we'll see you right here tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Living in the Light, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's filled with daily encouragement for 2022, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude the series, Living in the Light, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Introducing Dr. David Jeremiah's new 365-day devotional, Every Day with Jesus. Inside this beautiful leather soft volume, you'll find 365 daily inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah, paired with selected scripture to challenge and encourage you in your walk with God. Every Day with Jesus is yours this month in appreciation for your gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more, Dr. David Jeremiah will thank you with four copies of Every Day with Jesus, one to keep and three to share with others. Let this daily devotional inspire you in the coming year to live every single day with Jesus, for Jesus, and like Jesus. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca today. That's davidjeremiah.ca. And thanks to a generous giving challenge through the end of the month, all gifts to the ministry are effectively doubled up to $200,000. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. 
Paul used a military illustration in 1 Corinthians 14 to show how important it is to communicate clearly. He said, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? In ancient times, a trumpet was used to call an army to prepare for an attack. But if the trumpet player plays poorly or plays the wrong tune, confusion will result. Now that illustration on communication applies to so many different areas of life. Think how many times arguments develop or expectations aren't met just because of poor communication. When you communicate with others today, make sure to speak clearly using language everyone understands. Now this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God communicates on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.